Good morning and good afternoon and welcome back to day four of my talk with an alien on the women and their inventions. I talked about a woman named Margaret Wilcox in 1893. This innovator was one of the few mechanical engineers of her time. Margaret Wilcox was a gifted inventor who was always looking to make life easier and more efficient. She experimented constantly, hoping to come up with cool inventions that may change the way people live their lives. Margaret Wilcox fought for her inventions as it was against the law for women to file patents in their own names until the late 1800s. Before that, they would have to file under their father or husband's name. Margaret had filed previous patents under her husband's name, such as a combination clothes and dishwasher. However, in 1893, she was granted a patent for the car heater. The car heater in her own name. The original patent filed by Margaret A. Wilcox for the car heater. I also talked about a woman named Marie Curie. Radium is one of the major discoveries of Marie Curie, which revolutionized the world. The life of Marie Curie is a sheer example of hard work and determination. Maria Sklodowska was born as the fifth child of a patriotic Polish family. Being brilliant in her studies, Maria finished her graduation with flying colors. She continued her studies in Paris. From the Sorbonne University, she took her master's in physics in the year 1893 and mathematics a year later. Maria wanted to go back to Poland when she finished her studies, but destiny had other plans. Otherwise, perhaps the world would have lost at least some of the valuable inventions of Marie Curie. In Paris, Marie met one of the famous French physicist, Pierre Curie, and they got married in 1895. The inventions of Marie Curie were mostly as a result of their collaborative efforts. During that time, hot debate was going on about the property of radioactivity. Scientist Henry Becquerel came up with some astonishing findings on radioactivity. Maria selected the same subject for her thesis. After doing some initial research on the subject, Maria concluded that there are elements other than uranium which exhibited the phenomenon of radioactivity. Her finding that radiation is an atomic property itself was revolutionary. Soon she found that the element thorium exhibits radioactivity. Pierre, her husband, constantly guided her in all these endeavors and never held her back. The couple experimented with pitch blend, an ore of uranium, which was cheaply available. They detected the presence of a radioactive element, which is very similar to barium in its properties, but much more powerful than uranium in radioactivity. They worked with great zest and found out two elements, polonium and radium, the latter being the powerful radioactive element. While Marie extracted and purified the radioactive elements. Pierre measured them. The amazing inventions of Marie Curie were duly recognized when both husband and wife were conferred 
the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1903, and Marie Curie became the first woman to receive the Nobel Prize. Marie later realized that what she isolated was not pure radium. Her next attempt was to extract pure radium. She succeeded in isolating pure radium and determining its atomic weight. She discovered that one mole of radium has a mass of 226 grams. For these findings, she was awarded the Nobel Prize again in 1911, this time in chemistry. But sadly, Pierre Curie did not live to see the happy moment. He died in an accident in 1906. After his death, Madame Curie was appointed as the director of the physics laboratory in the Sorbonne. Altogether, the inventions of Marie Curie proved to be of great value to mankind. It was she who coined the word radioactivity. She found that radiation can kill normal human cells. Based on the fact, she stated it can be manipulated to treat cancer where it destroys the tumor cells. Marie gave the idea of x-ray machines and designed them. Marie Curie, x-ray, you should never forget. I also talked about a woman named Mary Anderson in 1903. In a visit to New York City in the winter of 1902, Anderson sat in a trolley car on a frosty day. She observed that the trolley car driver struggled to see past the windows because of the falling sleet. The trolley car's front window was designed for bad weather visibility, but its multi-pane windshield system worked very poorly. Therefore, to clear the sights, the driver needed to open the window to lean out the vehicle or stop the car to go outside in order to wipe the windscreen with his hands. Anderson, who was not an engineer, but an entrepreneur, identified the problem and its opportunity. Necessity being the mother of invention. She envisioned a windshield wiper blade that could be operated from the inside by the trolley driver. Just think, windshield wipers. At that time, it rarely occurred to anyone else to eliminate the problem. It was something drivers simply accepted and dealt with. When she returned to Alabama, she hired a designer for a hand-operated device, device to keep a windshield clear and had a local company produce a working model. She applied for and in 1903 was granted a 17-year patent for a windshield wiper. The patent application was filed on June 18, 1903. On November 10, 1903, the, the United States, divided states still, Patent Office awarded Anderson for her window cleaning device. Similar devices had been made earlier, but Anderson's was the first windshield clearing device to be effective. Anderson's simple mechanism and basic design have remained much the same. But unlike today's windscreen wipers, Anderson could be removed when not needed. In 1903, when Anderson applied for the patent, cars were not very popular. Just think, Henry Ford's Model A automobile had not even man been manufactured yet. Therefore, when Anderson tried to sell the rights to her invention through a noted Canadian firm of Dinning and Eckenstein in 1905, they rejected her application. They argued, Wait for it. And I quote, we do not consider it to be of such commercial value as we would warrant our un undertaking its sale. 
end quote. Furthermore, many could not see the value of her invention and stressed the risk that the driver would be distracted by operating device and the moving wipers. By 1913, the automobile manufacturing business had grown exponentially and windshield wipers were standard equipment. In 1922, Cadillac became the first car manufacturer to adopt them as standard equipment. However, Anderson never profited from her invention, the patent expiring in 1920. In 1917, Charlotte Ridgewood patented the electric storm windshield cleaner, the first automatic wiper system that used rollers instead of blades. Like Anderson, Ridgewood never made any money for her invention. Sarah Scott Wingo, rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia, and Anderson's great-great-niece suspects that Anderson's invention never went anywhere because Anderson was an independent woman. Wingo said in an interview with NPR News, and I quote, she didn't have a father, she didn't have a husband, and the world was kind of run by men back then. End quote. Horrible. I also talked about a woman named Elizabeth Makey in 1904. She was an American game designer, a writer, feminist, and a Georgist. She invented what was called at that time the landlord's game, the precursor to, wait for it, Monopoly. To illustrate the teachings of the progressive era economist Henry George, it was called the landlord's game. Maggie first made her game known as the landlord's game, popular among friends while living in Brentwood, Maryland. In 1903, Maggie applied to the U.S. Patent Office for a patent on her board game. She was granted a patent in January of 1904. The landlord's game was designed to demonstrate the economic ill effects of land monopolism and the use of land value tax as a remedy for it. Originally, the goal of the game was to simply obtain wealth. In the following patents, the game developed to eventually have two different settings, one being the monopolist set up, known as Monopoly, where the goal was to own industries, create monopolies, and win by forcing others out of their industries, and the other being the anti-monopolist, set up known as Prosperity, where the goal was to create products and interact with opponents. The game would later go on to become Monopoly. In 1906, she moved to Chicago, and in that year, she and fellow Georgists formed the Economic Game Company to self-publish her original edition of The Landlord's Game. And in 1910, the Parker Brothers established, I mean, published her humorous card game, Mock Trial. Then the Newbie Game Company in Scotland patented The Landlord's Game. However, there was no proof that the game was actually protected by the British patent. She and her husband moved back to the East Coast and patented a revised version of the game in 1924. As her original patent had, has expi had expired in 1921, this is seen as her attempt to reassert control over the game, which was now being played at some colleges where students made their own copies. In 1932, her second edition of The Landlord's Game was published by the Ad Game Company of Washington, D.C. This version included both Monopoly and prosperity. Maggie also developed other games, including Bargain Day and King's Men in 1937, and a third version of the Landlord's Game 
1939. In bargain day, shoppers compete with each other in a department store. Kingsman is an abstract strategy game. Fancy that. Monopoly. A woman inventor. Not known by many, but now known by us. Ebony Contrarian. Listening and thinking. And I'm out.